these reward programs really get stories done. Companies that were typically hard to get a story extracted from, once you put an award around it and wrap it up in a little bow, then they are all good to get sign off and get that on your website. So that is um, ultimately what I've learned. Alrighty, folks, welcome to another episode of the State of Customer Storytelling podcast with me, your host, Sam Shepler. The State of Customer Storytelling is brought to you by Testimonial Hero. Testimonial Hero helps over 300 B2B software companies easily create stunning video testimonials that close deals faster. You can view examples and find out more at testimonialhero.com. Today on the show, we have Leslie Barrett, Director of Customer Marketing and Advocacy at Sendoso. Leslie, it's a pleasure to have you on today. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Happy to be here. Just to dive right into it, you know, to kick things off, if I'm a B2B marketer, if I'm, uh, you know, why do customer stories matter more than ever today? Yeah, well, I guess we could just... Let's just hit them hard with some statistics lately. I've been looking into this. 2022, what is it now? 85%, right? Of B2B buyers uh, say that they're doing all of their research before they even contact the vendor. So your stories have to be good. They have to be relevant. They have to be consumable and they have to have success metrics. Or do they? Let's get into that. Yeah. Tell me, well, tell me more about that. The do they? (laughs) Or do they? I thought this would provoke intrigue. Uh, So I've been pivoting a lot lately. Customer stories are great that have all of the metrics and have exactly what everyone's looking for. But I feel that since the pandemic and these buyers are, they want to trust their peers a lot more than they want to trust marketing. They want to relate. They want to know inside the person more than, you know, their work. And so it's kind of noisy out there too, right? Like all of the ads and the emails and the SDR sequences. And sometimes you just kind of want to like push the mute button and just kind of talk to your friend um, and talk to a peer. And so we're, we've been pivoting a little bit with uh, stories that highlight the marketer, right? So I work at Sendoso and we're marketing to sales and marketing folks. And um, it's this beautiful story of the marketer. And yeah, sure. They use Sendoso and it's, it's helped them in their jobs, but it's really about them and presenting this success story in a highlight the person type of way and get a little bit more. It's just more interesting. And that's what I'm, I'm saying is that nowadays things should be a little bit different, more consumable and interesting to read rather than just the traditional case study. Just been what I've been finding. I love that. And I've also been finding that as well. And I mean, just to kind of expand on that a little bit, I think you know, a lot of times those statistics, you know, it's all great, but like until I'm emotionally hooked, like I don't care, right? As a buyer, if I don't see myself in the person that, you know, is, is sharing their story and if I'm not, you know, if, if I don't also admit that I share that same pain or I'm experiencing the same problem, 
all of the statistics in the world won't convince me, right? So I, I, I think that's such a good point. And I love that you you hit on that because there is so much more nuance in all best practices, right? There's always more nuance than the typical just like headline of like, you need these statistics, et cetera, et cetera. And I know when we were talking in you know the, the pre-show, you were telling me about your three pillars of customer advocacy from you know what you've developed in your career you know as a customer marketer as an advocate marketer tell me a little bit more about that you know what are your three pillars of customer advocacy and and how do you think about that yeah so i've gotten to know these marketers over the past 3 years and Really, I think having pillars of your program is super important to just to make sure that kind of nobody comes in left field and asks you to do something like completely out of your work scope. You're like, yeah, well, this doesn't really fall into like my three pillars of advocacy. And so I don't know if there's much time to kind of work and focus on that. So that's like my tip number one, stay focused and have, you know, your boss agree on these pillars. And this is what you're going to be working on because this is what's important to the customer. And what's important to my customers are three things. One, learning and development. So I say development, both in skill development with your platform, but also career development, right? So they're always wanting to know the latest and greatest and what's going on with your platform. So that's why we kind of roll out the red carpet for these folks and they get to know what's coming out. We have launch parties. Actually, there's one coming up next week. So we can launch what's coming to them first and make them feel special and that they get kind of a sneak peek into that. Marketers like to share their success. So they want to be a part of speaking engagements. They want to do peer-to-peer. They want to talk to other marketers about what's working, what's not working, their challenges that they're seeing outside of Sendoso, of course, too. They love kind of like PR and media opportunities and caps. They love customer advisory boards and, and all that stuff. So focusing really on or enabling them to learn all the time. And then also when they want to develop their careers, like having that platform to do so. The second one is peer networking. So this, you know, Callie and I, uh, who run the advocacy program here at Sendoso, we are constantly doing events, um, whether or not they're webinars to user groups on a specific topic, or soon this hybrid world of like happy hours and getting together, like can't wait for that. And then we even have our Slack community. So my advocacy program has a Slack workspace where we all come together and share best practices and really inspire each other to share and inspire and motivate people to send more. And then the third pillar is rewards and recognition. This is where Sendoso comes in with the swag and the e-gifts. And I really do have a pretty lucky, a great company to work for with a really fun use case in my department. And so we're constantly putting contests out there for the super senders to earn these like swag bundles or e-gifts. This is where the Sendy Awards, which I'll talk about later, comes in. So having a reward program has been so amazing and probably like the most fun that I've ever had working on a program. And then, yeah, all the customer spotlights, like they want the recognition. So as long as I am building my programs within my advocacy program around these three things, they stay happy and motivated to participate. 
I love that. And I want to circle back to the peer networking part of that before we move on to uh, gifting and, and the sendies. I'm curious, what is the the value that you see your customers getting out of of the peer networking or, you know, what do you hear? Like, what is the feedback? You know, we all know like, oh, we want to give our customers opportunities to network with their peers. But sometimes like we don't, it's sometimes hard to visualize what great looks like. Like what is the outcome what of that, right? Curious if you have any like stories you could share of feedback from customers that maybe people can learn from and sort of say like, I want to also get to the point where my customers are saying the same thing. Yeah. So uh, with our peer-to-peer program, it's really about the learning piece of it. You know, if somebody wants to dive into a different part of a feature or functionality, then I'll pair them up with somebody who's already tackled that. And so they'll go ahead and meet with my introduction and facilitating that either through the community in Slack or email, I can talk about how I track that as well. So we want to double back to that. So they'll go ahead and have their conversation. I'll kind of um, update the trainer on what the trainee wants to know. And then they'll have their conversation and then I'll follow up with them to say, like, are there any outstanding questions? Like, how did that go? And they're like, oh, when amazing, we did a deep dive. We went into the platform. We created a touch. We synced or got the integration going and blah, blah, blah. And then the trainee becomes the trainer. So then the next time around, when somebody wants to learn about that, then I'll just grab the person who was taught all of that great stuff to then go in there. And then, um, you know, the beauty of it is you actually see kind of upsells come from it. The way we track it is we will create a field on the Salesforce opportunity level for their next opportunity. And then we'll put the trainee's name inside of that as a reference, because really it is like a customer reference call. It's a customer helping out another customer. And I want to make sure that my advocate gets credit for that. And so really just tracking it as you would your traditional customer reference program. So once the upsell or that renewal comes in, you run your quarterly reports and you'll see that advocate really influenced that deal. And so then you can just go ahead and reward them as a traditional reference program. I love it. Like it's not... It's not the tr- traditional reference program, but the value and the effect is is the same. And yeah, it's a huge win-win. Being that you are on the Sendoso team, you know, you lead customer marketing at Sendoso. Let's shift gears to talk about this concept uh, that I've heard you talk about before about gifting throughout the case study or the testimonial journey. Tell me a little bit more about, I guess, you know, what you mean by that and, and why is that so powerful? Yeah. So one quarter, we were tasked with some astronomical number of case studies we had to get. <laughs> I was like, okay, this is a stretch goal. Let's do it. So we were like, okay, we got to do something different. So we started gifting throughout the case study journey. And we started telling our customers beforehand, before they agreed, like here, you just create a slide inside of your kind of like case study template and just say, look at what you can get excited about. And so how we are gifting in the journey is we're 
starting off coming in hot. So once they book a discovery call with us to kind of understand more about the story, they can expect dinner on Sendoso. So they're actually excited that when they see the meeting on their calendar, they're like, oh yeah, I get to talk to Sendoso tonight and I get dinner score. And so that really helps kind of kick the relationship off in a great way. Uh, so what's the next step traditionally in a case study is you, you got the interview, you're going to go and do some editing, you're going to, you know, put a first draft together. And so when I get that back from the writer, I kind of put it in an email and I say like, we're so excited <laughs> to present you with the first draft of your customer's story. Take a look, feel free to make some edits. And when you do, you can expect a sweet treat from my favorite bakery. And it really is. It's called Sift Bakery. And they have these cruffles that are like to die for. And so they're excited now to get in that dock and make the edits so they can get their next sweet treat. And then, you know, it just keeps going. The next gift is when legal does their review. We have been kind of shifting to like ask legal before you say yes to the interview. But at that time we were doing like if legal approves or whoever else needs to approve the case study to go live on the website. And then the final gift is when it's live on the website. And that's when I, I went more towards apparel to make them feel like they were a part of the Sendoso team, right? Cause they're doing a big, they're doing something huge for us, like a big story that's I'm going to pass over to demand gen. It's going to be, you know, shared wide. So we really wanted to make them feel special and that they're a part of the team. And so, yeah. That is awesome. I'm going to start using that on our end right away. It just, I can already see just thinking about that, the, just the vibe and the positivity that, that adds to the process when there's these very thoughtful, not, you know, crazy, you know, very easy, but very thoughtful gifts that just kind of engage and, and just make the whole thing like a lot more, you know, pleasant, frankly. And, and, and also, yeah, as you said, reward them. That's fantastic. I will say, you want to make sure you're rewarding them the way they want to be rewarded as well. Before we do the case study kickoff, I like to get them in my advocacy program so they can go through the nurture flow. And one of the emails inside of the flow is to fill out the form and help us spoil you correctly. And so inside of this form, you can find questions that talk about what their interests are outside of work, when's their birthday, favorite sweet treat, favorite beverage, because the last thing you want to do is send someone a bottle of wine when they don't drink. I don't drink and I get booze sent to me all the time. And I'm like, thanks. I'm going to give it to my family or like, I'm going to give it to a friend. I don't drink. No offense to anybody who just recently sent me. <laughs> some bottles. Yeah. So, uh, I just think it's really important to, to have this work and to move the needle, just make it relevant, right? If they don't eat sugar, then don't send the sweet treats, you know, send something from they said what they said they liked from that form. That's such a good qualifier because in it, it's so true. Like we've all been there where like, it's like the holiday season and you're like, yeah, I, I need another box of chocolates. Like I, I need a hole in my head right now. Like I have so many chocolates. That's such a good point. How about industries with 
you know, maybe they have some gifting regulations or just certain industries, you know, there's some limits on gifts that you can accept. I know you have a lot of experience to share on that. Yeah, maybe you can just kind of tell our audience here what, what you've learned about best practices for making an impact when there are these kind of constraints in some industries for gifting. Totally. And sometimes I think that other customer marketers are so mad at me, right? Because I'm like marketing to marketers and that is not the case for everyone. So yes, I have to come with some uh, stories, right? From my customers who are gifting into those highly regulated industries and share them with the world. So um, first off, that e-gift that I mentioned, you know, for anybody's time, something of really nice touch is the charity choice or charity on top e-gift card. So if you can't receive any gifts, then this is a really lovely option just to keep it classy and to keep it moving and to show good faith that, you know, whatever the use case may be. So Sendoso has a something called Sendoso Choice where it offers you four, well, it actually offers you two to 10 e-gifts in one landing page. I think two is too few. I think 10 is too many. So I tend to choose four. And so if you just wanted to select the two charity options that we offer, great. The next thing are some industries that they can accept gifts under a certain price point. This is great because the workaround here is an unboxing experience, what I like to tell everybody. So think less about the item and think more on the unboxing. Think when you get an iPhone or if you go to like, I don't shop at Tiffany's, but Tiffany's and those that box and that bag that you open up your jewelry and it's so soft. And uh, going back to the Apple laptop, when everything has its place in there and it's this like sexy cardboard and everything is just like so lovely to come home and open. And so that's what my customers are doing. They're focusing on leveling up and spending the money on the packaging rather what's inside and then also pairing it with messaging that just kills it. So one of my customers does a beautiful box and when they open it, inside is a video mailer. So there's like a person that starts talking to you right away and you're like, oh yeah, they spent some money on this. And then the gift inside is $25 or less gift. You know, in this particular situation, it's a beer stein. And the person on the video mailer is an engineer. And the messaging is, have a beer with an engineer. It just gives me goosebumps. Um, and so it's just, it's it, it lands, right? It, it looks like you put time and money into it. They can still accept the gift because it's under a certain price point. Yeah, that, that's such a good example. And that is such a catchy tagline as well. Have a beer with an engineer. Yeah, I love that because it's like, you know, you're still able to create this like this reciprocity feeling, even though, you know, the dollar amount isn't huge, like because of the regulation, it still achieves the the result you need on the emotional level that's going to drive the business outcome because it's so thoughtful. You still get that reciprocity. You still get the impact and, and everything. That is such a good point that honestly, I would not have have thought of. Sorry, I was just going to say also when it comes to customer advocacy and not being able to gift your customers gifts for their advocacy acts, where that form comes into play 
and capturing what motivates that person to be an advocate. Maybe it is the cupcakes and the cupcakes and the e-gifts and all of the treats, but sometimes they'll say, they'll specifically say to you, I want to talk to my peers. I want a speaking opportunity at this conference. I want tickets to your user conference and all of those things that you can reward them for doing an advocacy act with. Yeah, that's such a good good point. And and I think it all comes down to what you mentioned earlier, like gathering that information early in the customer journey so, so you can incentivize accurately. So you mentioned the Sendy Awards a couple of times. What are the Sendy Awards? Maybe if you want to kind of tell the story and share about that. So the Cindy Awards are Sendoso's customer reward program, and uh, they're based off the Dundies from The Office. I'm a big Office fan. And I started these like three years ago, just not not knowing that it was going to be as big as it is now. I wonder, like, would I have named it something different? And the answer is absolutely not. I mean, reward uh, these reward programs really get stories done. Let me tell you, they are fantastic. Everybody wants to win an award and showcase it. And companies that were typically hard to get a story extracted from, once you put an award around it and wrap it up in a little bow, then they are all good to get sign off and get that on your website. So that is um, ultimately what I've learned. But, you know, past that, You build such deep relationships with the winners and the nominees, really. You're constantly on the phone with them and, you know, trying to extract the story and get however many awards you have, like six, seven, eight, nine, ten case studies out there in one month, which is what I do. We just go really, really hard with nominations and then we select our winners and then I'm queued up to get the story done, of course, with the help of my content marketing team. So yeah, it's been great. I just, I really love the relationship building piece of it. We also partner with our customers on a big event and we have an award ceremony and then everybody shares their story with the rest of the customer base to inspire and just share their story with the masses. That makes a ton of sense. And um, so that's a great tip. You know, I think a lot of people at the end of the day are always looking for more customer stories and always looking to get their customer stories done. So there you have it. If you're having trouble with that and you're listening, think about how you can have an award program or a reward program to actually get those stories done. Yes. And I would like to say that anybody who needs help with this, I am more than willing to hop on a call or even send you my program brief so you can literally just clone it and go ahead and execute. Amazing. Well, that's uh, we'll definitely we'll get your your contact info at the end and definitely encourage everyone listening to if if you want to do this, absolutely uh, reach out to Leslie We've mentioned a few times the kind of, you know, case studies, customer stories. I want to talk a little bit about the like the formats and the mediums. How are you and your team and, you know, your content team producing these? Are they written testimonials, video testimonials, customer videos or, you know, or both? 
Yeah, I mean, it's changed a little bit from the pandemic. Pre-pandemic, we were very hardcore with any customer story had to have a video associated with it. Uh, so I was flying all over and, and getting these done. And then during the pandemic, we we were like, yeah, let's still go ahead and get a video done and attached to the case study. Just, just so everything is consumable the way the consumer wants to consume it. <laughs> And so re- more recently, we, as I mentioned, we pivoted to kind of highlighting the, the marketer in these really heartfelt and informative stories, highlighting the customer. And then we've actually piv- not pivoted, but changed it up as the way we're educating our sales team. I'm sure everybody talks about it, but these pocket stories they're just as important as case studies with metrics. And so what I got told from our sales leader is these new AEs are just, they're at home and they, they don't have anybody to hear on the phone and learn from. And you could listen to all the gong recordings that you want, which thank God for gong, but they're really struggling with these pocket stories. And so Anything that my team is hearing from our super senders or CSMs are hearing from their customers, making sure that that gets right into sales hands and meeting the salespeople where they work, which is Slack and Highspot and Salesforce. So that's really, really key to having a a blended program that works for everyone. I love that. And, And actually, I haven't heard that term before, pocket stories, but I think I can imagine what it means. Like, is, is that basically shorter? Just like, okay, just heard this. Here's the story about it. Boom. Like we can use this now or like, yeah, tell me a little bit more about that. Like, what does that really mean in, in, in your guys' context? Sure. Well, pocket stories for us mean these short little consumables use case stories. What is this type of customer using Sendoso for? And what are like either early success metrics or what do they want to accomplish with it? When, you know, are we checking back in with them? And so just highlighting anything that would help a salesperson rattle off a use case when they're talking to a similar logo. And so why we put this both in Slack and in Highspot or Salesforce is because as marketers, we want to let them know which of these stories have logo permission. Yes, you can say that these people are a customer or nope, you can't say that they're a customer. And I'm going to put that the company is anonymous so that there's not any confusion there. That's awesome. I'm going to start using that phrase. And I think that this whole idea is so endemic of the the larger trend that customer content is now something that is used and should be used, you know, throughout the whole buyer journey, right? It's not just something towards the end to push people over the line. As you said in the beginning, it's like buyers are doing 85% of their own of their research, basically, before they talk to sales, they want to consume, you know, and understand things from the customer's perspective earlier and earlier on. I know we were also talking in the, you know, earlier you mentioned you had a, a number of ways that you build your your pipeline of, of advocates. I think it was seven ways. I'd love to dig into that because I think, you know, that, that that's a big part of building a robust customer story program is having enough pipeline to really draw on in the first place. Tell me more about that. You know, how do you go about building that pipeline for all the advocacy activities? Yeah, for sure. This is like 
one of my favorite things to talk about. So when I get into a company and launch customer marketing for the first time, I immediately go and hunt down who owns NPS. And typically it's like, no one, we don't have one. And it's like, great. All right, let's get one up and running. So that net promoter score is uh, just key to finding your promoters and even people who are passive, but uh, you know they do leave a comment that they are happy. And then you can include them in the pipeline of advocates, really. Once you do have that in place, you create these automated emails based on a score. As I mentioned, I pull in eights as well as nines and tens. So that's one of the ways. The next is customer success. I mean, you got to love these folks. They are working hard and sometimes they work so hard that uh, they're not able to just stop and say, you know what? I just got off a call with a successful customer. I'm going to pop them over to customer marketing. <laughs> like that. They are busy. And so creating a program for them is really key, right? So I call it a customer success qualified program. And it's really training them to when they hear that a customer is has a great story, training them on the process to pop them over to us. And guess what? You're going to get spiffed. Um, so this is kind of like something that was a lesson learned for me was I kind of started that a little too late here. I should have been rewarding the CSMs a lot earlier. So when they hear the story from a customer, their eyes light up with dollar signs. They're like, oh yeah, I'm going to get paid for this. <laughs> and it's not all about that, but hey, it helps. Let's be honest here. And so the Customer Success Qualified Advocate Program has inclusion criteria. It has email templates. It has everything that they need to be able to pass those customers over to us really easy and simple. And then they get paid for that. So it's been great. Hey, you can tie it to their metrics as well, but a spiff really lands a lot better with them. I love that. And and yeah, it's it's true. It, incentives help support those outcomes and why not reward them, right? For helping out. And I know that, you know, you also mentioned like an ABM approach that you've used. Tell me, yeah, tell me a little bit more about that. Is that sort of like for the larger whale accounts? Yeah. So you have all these automated ways to get pipeline of advocates and that's great. But at the same time, you need to have a target list of advocates that you're going after and treat it as account-based marketing. And so I, we have our, our target list and we are creating direct mail bundles, personalized emails that will go out once the package has landed. Sometimes we do a QR code inside of that so that they know where to go and find the advocate landing page to go ahead and sign up. Lesson learned there. You have to involve the CSMs. They don't know me. They don't know who I am at that point. So the first iteration, that's what marketers do, right? We just like stop, understand what works, what doesn't work and reiterate. And so the, the, you know, next couple of times around, we included the CSM in on that and made it more of a nomination process to get into the program. And that worked a lot better to in, in, include them. In terms of people who are listening to this and they're maybe not at this level of maturity in their program, maybe they're just launching their you know customer advocacy program for the first time, what tips would you share for any marketers out there who are really just getting started with 
advocacy and customer stories. What tips or perspective would you share that you've learned along your journey? I think that those pocket stories are just a great place. They're kind of like your your starting point to a bigger case study. And so if you have all of these little pocket stories in one place, you can always reference them three months from now. Be like, oh yeah, they were doing this. Let me go check in on them. So it's kind of a way to stay organized and to see all of your stories in one place that you have, that you're building on and nurturing these folks to share the larger story with you. So I would definitely say start with those pocket stories. And then a little tip that I learned was once you create that beautiful customer spotlight. And by the way, we hire a professional photographer to go out and capture real true images of your customer, even in, in their element, right? Could be in their office, could be them walking around the streets of San Francisco, could be them with their family. You just need one. You've got one and that's, you use that to promote that one to your other customers to say, you have been nominated by your CSM or we are so you know excited to have you as a customer. We value you. You're you know doing such great things with Sendoso. We want to forget all about that. We want to highlight you. And look at the last one we did. And then you point them back to the one, the only one that you've done. And then <laughs> they feel so special that you want to do something like this with them. And so you don't have to do the full photographer. You can ask them to submit some very great pictures of themselves and pictures with their family or pictures that are about what the topics you're covering. And so I just, it was such a great thing to have that one to go ahead and promote, to capture so many more. Yeah, I know. I love that because it makes it more likely for customers to want to participate when they see, oh, wow, look like I'm in a magazine, right? It's like professional photography and it's, it makes them feel cool. Like you're taking it seriously. This is a big deal. So yeah, that, that's such a, a good tip. And it's surprisingly easy to, you know, find a photographer anywhere, right? It's not, there's services for that. So yeah, that, that's such a good tip. And there's nothing that kills me more when there's a great case study and then like a stock photo, right? That's, that's awesome. Great tip. Well, Leslie, this has been fantastic. Where can people get in touch with you, connect with you, Sendoso and, and everything if they want to, you know, connect and learn more? Yeah, sure. So I'm just Leslie at Sendoso.com. Got that early first name email address thing going on there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh, if you want to look into Sendoso and if you go to Sendoso.com and then hover over the customers tab, that's everything that I manage, right? So you'll be able to see all of our customer case studies, our review page, the Sendy awards and all that really great content. So you can check out what we're doing on the customer story side of the house. That's awesome. Well, this has been fantastic, Leslie. Thank you again for joining the show today. I appreciate your time. And I know folks are going to get a ton of value out of this episode. Thank you. Alrighty, folks, that was another great episode of the State of Customer Storytelling podcast with our guest, Leslie Barrett of Sendoso. A couple of my biggest and favorite takeaways there. I love this tip around how you can make your 
gifting more impactful, even if you have a limit that you can't gift over, like say you can only give uh, $25, right? You know, how do you make just it feel so premium and, lu- and luxury? And, you know, it's really being creative and also investing in, in the experience, the packaging. Love the example that Leslie shared from one of their customers' campaigns, you know, this have a beer with an engineer where the gift is this custom beer stein but it comes in this great, you know, expensive packaging, nice packaging, has a little video mailer. You open up this card and a video plays and it's under $25, but the impact is is just so high. So if it makes sense for you to invest more in your gifting program, but you are limited in terms of certain industries or that have rules about accepting gifts, such a good takeaway there about paying attention to the experience and creating those wow moments with the experience and the packaging. Another one of my favorite takeaways was this concept of pocket stories that Leslie talked about. Just a really good tip that anyone can can take and implement right away. Uh, and then lastly, I love her point about presenting their advocacy program more like a community because you know that that's something that people are excited to be a part of right if if for pitching an advocacy program like maybe an advocacy program it's like well what does that you know entail right maybe people are a little bit more hesitant but at you know sendoso as she put it framing the the advocacy program like a community it just makes people you know, very receptive to to being a part of it and contributing and ultimately building that pipeline of advocates for customer stories. This is your host, Sam Shepler. As always, thank you for listening, and we look forward to seeing you in the next episode. <music>